Recorded live. And hello, everybody, and welcome to the Weekday Warriors of Wrestling for December 28th, 2017. I'm Eric Clancy, joined, as always, by Mr. Patrick Kelly. Patrick, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Just uh, getting over my holiday hangover and just ready to talk some wrestling. Wrestling, yeah. What do we even talk about this week? Like, I feel like, um, I don't know. No, it was the, it was that, it's that weird um, Christmas End New of the Year blues. Yeah, 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 lull for everyone. So, um I haven't seen the show, but we know that Johnny Gargano is going on to face Andrade Cien Almas at um, TakeOver Philly. Yes, which is actually kind of cool. I think this is going to be used as the setup for Gargano versus Ciampa at WrestleMania weekend. When How they get there, I don't know, but it's. I think it's they're going to do something to build it up at that match. Yeah, so yeah, I I agree, and I think that's the way to go. I think there's an interesting story you can tell there. Hold on. Sorry, my headphones are all discombobulated. Um, uh, yeah, <clears throat> I I think there's an interesting story to tell there, and I think WWE is always the best at when they're covering for injuries and absences and things. Um, but you know, Gargano Gargano beat. Almas, and it was one of those, it was in that string of of uh, losses when Almas had to reassess and get with Selena Vega and kind of refocus to become the character he is today. And then, of course, there was the Brooklyn match. So there's a lot of, like, you know, you beat me at my low point, I beat you at your low point, let's see, like, we're, we're both getting back on, we're both back on track, who's going to win? So... There's an interesting angle you can take there. And, of course, like you said, um, Ciampa should be back by that point. And then you could have a big blow-up for Ciampa and Gargano at the, um, I don't know, where the fuck are they this year? New Orleans? Uh, take over New, or- New yeah. Orleans? Um, so, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think that'll be good. Um, what else? Um, this is this is not like a topical thing or like a, this happened the other day. I'm just like, it's jumped in my mind because I'm looking at WWE on Twitter. Um, I like the Street Profits a lot, but the most obvious Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty situation ever is Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins. Wow. Elaborate, please. I no, I just think, Mon- I think Montez Ford is like an absolute superstar, and Angelo Dawkins is like, eh. Just the guy he got paired with? Yeah, I think so. I, I think Angelo Dawkins was, like, the guy that they had been trying to do things with for, I don't know, it seemed like three and a half years. I could be wrong. I feel like he's been there since I started watching NXT, which is close to the beginning, of like, yeah. when they started doing the takeovers. Um, I'm going to look him up right now. <clears throat> um, But, yeah, I mean, he was, like, a wrestler. He was, like, a college wrestler, and they, they liked that stuff. Um, let's see here. 
That's how they got Brock Lesnar. So yeah, he made his uh, his debut. He made his televised debut in 2013 to Sami Zayn. I feel like I was watching at that point, but um, yeah. But anyway, um, no, like it, it's just one of those. It's one of those situations where it's like, like, oh man, this guy's a huge superstar, and he knows what to do with his body. He knows how to move. He knows, like, like he just like instinctively gets everything. And Angela Dawkins is like, he's a he's a wrestler. <laughs> he also exists. Mm. So, yeah, no, Poor no Dawkins just popped a, just popped up uh, into my head. Um. Also, can anyone explain to me why uh, Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss, like, why they're like, oh, we got all these cars and stuff. We're, we we lose every match except for, like, two, but we're really successful. I mean, I guess that they played uh, Tino Sabatelli's NFL background, but Riddick Moss was not in the NFL. Like, you know, <laughs> so I just like the idea that they're like, they're like, oh, you're going to step to us? Like, remember uh, a few, I, I want to say a few months ago when they did that bit with Johnny Gargano where he was feuding with yeah. like, both of them? And they're like, you can beat us? I'm like, you guys have never even been on a takeover. Where did, like, like from a character's <laughs> perspective, where does this motivation come from? But um, I don't know. Once again, that's what was up in the Google machine in the corner. So that prompted that thought. Um all right, what what else do we got this week? What what should we uh what should we chat about? Well, we had the Christmas edition of Raw, uh, which are typically filler shows and not a whole lot happens, but um we've got new tag champs, I think, Seth Rollins and uh, Jason Jordan. Yes, which <clears throat> uh is a convoluted ass thing that happened because Dean Ambrose obviously was more injured than anyone thought, had to get surgery. And is now apparently going to be out for a few to possibly nine months. So we have no idea what the hell that's what's going on there. On top of that, Sheamus has had some sort of like, I think a shoulder injury. And he's been working through that, but they need to like get him out of there. And so they need to get the belts off the bar. So now Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins are champions. They have a like golden golden opportunity and they've had a golden opportunity for a while with Jason Jordan but to just turn him straight up heel and turn on Seth Rollins and then you have a feud with Rollins and Jordan where Jordan's actually like I mean I I don't know has Jordan feuded with anyone since he's been on there beyond like I'm just going to be in matches randomly so having a feud with someone could be really good especially someone like Rollins um but I, I, you know, he, I, I he had a brief feud with Elias that didn't really go anywhere. Yeah, and he had that one with Miz that also, like, uh, yeah, I guess the Miz feud he kind of had. But, um, I mean, Miz makes anyone look golden. But, um, yeah. So, um, so that's that. I actually, I was telling Patrick uh, before we got on the air, I went to um, Madison Square Garden on Tuesday. And we were actually, uh, we, I, someone that we, uh, one of our friends knew, got us tickets to the front row. And um, Rollins, Jordan, and the bar was the cage match. It was the, the semi-main. Um, actually, there was nothing notable in that match. However, John Cena is 
really bad with his matches as far as like as far as talking and then making sure no one sees you talk. He like is he, oh, he's he, the worst at it. Yeah, he's he is not very good with that. I don't know if he was mailing it in or he's just bad at it, but you could like No, he's if you've ever seen the Botchamania clips, um the this guy talks too much segments, like Steve yeah. is on there all the time. Yeah. Who else? Yeah, I I've actually it's funny. I've never seen that portion of Botchamania. Who who else is on there a lot? Um lots of guys. It's typically a bunch of random matches and especially when something goes wrong and they start having to talk to cover up for it. But yeah, yeah. Cena is one of the only ones I can think of that's on there like consistently. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Not so much now what... because he's part-time, but you know. Yeah. Um, Who did Cena work against at the show? Uh, Roman. Oh, okay. How'd that go? Um, it was, it was, talking. it was actually probably the the best match on the show. I mean, like, with that, I think, I think that speaks to to the lack of talent in WWE right now, especially with the brand split and how there's just like, you know, th- there's not enough talent to go around to fill the, that that amount of roster. I mean, the opening match was Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy, and like, Matt Hardy's like a thousand years old, and you like cannot. And it was fine, you know. He came out to the piano music and shit. Um, uh. But Bray is just like he's either <clears throat> he's either a top guy or nothing, and uh, like I hate having I hate discussing Bray on this podcast because it's a number one it's a waste of time, number two we've done it a thousand times so there's nothing new to say but Bray is like I mean he's the Undertaker if everything with the Undertaker had gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. he's out, he's out there. He's having these matches, and it's just like, wow, you suck. You're like, you're jobbing to Matt Hardy in the opening match at, at the Garden. Like it, it's, it like. There's I, no mystique to him anymore. That's the problem. And Undertaker in his earliest days, he was basically just doing a one note zombie act. But there was a lot of mystery surrounding him, and. There was a lot of mystique, and he didn't sell for anybody. So he's this very interesting character. And, you know, he also won all the time. That was in his whole first year. And with Bray, it's like they've dropped the ball at every possible opportunity with him. Yeah, it's like, like, I honestly, I can't think of anyone. I can't think of booking Bray any worse. than I mean, I guess I could if, like, you know, he came out and he, like, swam in like a literal pile of shit or something but like honestly it's like as like a normal human being booking him i can't think of how you could make worse choices than have been made in his career and really what it stems from is vince's obsession with having the baby faces go over 90 percent of the time that that's really what it is that killed him it's like up oh, right yes. he's got to lose to taker up oh, he's got to lose to cena up oh, he's got to lose to that guy and this guy Yes, and and I mean this explained everything because you 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 wonder like oh how dumb are they how dumb and then I've spoken to writers that have worked at WWE and they've said Vince just thinks he's over Vince thinks he's like oh he's over so we'll have him lose to this guy and Vince doesn't get that if he loses to everyone he's not going to be over and like. Like, he doesn't get that. He's like, oh, he gets a pop and the people are into the entrance. I'm like, yeah, okay. 
that's fine. They're into the entrance. Is that what you want them to be? The entrance and and that's it. Like it, it's 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 silly that I have to explain this to the man who has made more money than anyone in professional wrestling. But like really, like it's like a character like that or Undertaker or Andre or anyone is like fine china. You should be handling it delicately. I mean, one of the funniest things I ever heard was when um, years ago when when Buck Woodward would do those shows with uh, Dave Shearer and he would be like. Well, you know, Big Show, he's, he was he was never as good as Andre. Andre was way a way better worker. I'm like, the fuck he was. If Big Show had been around in the 70s, Big Show would have been a bigger star than Andre by 10,000 degrees. If you, like, part for part put Big Show against Andre, Big Show is absolutely more talented in every sense of the word. You know what Big he's Show... He's a much better is, talker. Yeah, he was a better talker. He's funnier. He's bigger. Like, he could do more stuff. You know where Big Show's big problem was? He was born in 1968 or whatever he was born in. That was his problem. He was born in a time period where the mystique couldn't be protected, where Andre didn't have to. Where, where Andre went to one town a week and beat everybody, and you never saw Andre lose. You never even saw Andre get knocked off his feet, for God's sake. And Big Show, in his first match, which, by the way, it's so funny that you hear, in his first match he beat Hulk Hogan. But if you were actually watching, you saw that Hulk Hogan beat the fucking shit out of this guy for, like, 11 minutes, and then a mummy humped Hulk Hogan in the asshole, and then he won the title for no... Like, it, it, it was it was the worst WCW booking. You, it's classic WCW. I just rewatched that a couple months ago. It is, it's even funnier now than it was back then. It, it was just delightful. Put a smile on my face. It's so stupid. The best thing was... It's a yeti. Like, it, it, yeah, the yeti. Like, I, and I remember, like, Tony Schiavone, like, uh, if you hear him talk about it now, he's like, I had no idea what to say because he's not a yeti. He's a mummy. So I'm, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know? And I, I want to know what the creative meeting was behind that resulted in um, that. I would yeah, love to see I how mean, that meeting went. I'm sure it was just like, there was zero thought put into it. And the worst part is, the worst part is that Hogan wasn't trying to bury Big Show. He loved Big Show. He thought he was great. That was him trying to get him over. I'm like, holy shit, I don't want to be your enemy. You were, like, so dumb. You were so, do not understand how this business works. You understand how Hulk Hogan's business works, but no one else's. Wasn't that the same show where they did the monster? They did the uh, the fucking yes. monster yes. truck thing. Yeah, that was yes. great. That was compelling. When he <laughs> fell off the side of the fucking arena. <laughs> Nothing and, builds up a world title match more than attempted murder. And and Bobby Heenan was like, he's like, we're supposed to believe he died, and then like, I mean, I give credit to Heenan for like selling it. He's like, oh my god, he's back. He didn't die. Like he says that in the broadcast, and it's just like, okay, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, so um, what are we talking about? Bray Wyatt, yes, yeah. No, so those characters, Undertaker, Bray Wyatt, Andre the Giant, um, I mean, they need to be Even handled. Even Kane to a degree. Yeah, and I mean, Kane's a, Kane's a guy who has been not handled as well as the Undertaker, but certainly not handled as poorly as Bray. Yeah, so. Kane had like a very successful first year and has basically ridden off that first year for the last 20. Essentially. I mean, yeah, I would say his – so his first year was pretty fantastic. Um, 
His second year was good. Like, it just gets worse as it goes. Like, you're, right. you know, you lose something every, like, year you go down. Um, like, for, like, his first, as that character, let's say as the King character, not as Isaac Yankum or Unabom or whoever, but, um, you know, you get the second year, I'm like, okay, there's less mystique. He's lost to more guys. Like, I remember when I saw him lose to, um, now, I don't know if you remember this show, Patrick. I consider it one of my favorite Raws of all time. It, it was the Raw opposite the Ric Flair return one in September 98. Okay, was this the one um, with the championship presentation the night after breakdown? No, it was no, okay. before that. It was, the main event was, it didn't, it, it was Austin and Shamrock. Oh yes, I do remember this one. And it, yes. Yeah, I know. It had like the about. evening gown match, and it had like um, had Didn't like. Did come out at the start of the show and say, "I've been here in a year and a half, and I've never gotten a title shot or whatever"? Yeah, or something like that. I mean, they've been and they've been building that Shamrock Austin match for a while. Like, like, mm-hmm. yep. After SummerSlam, um, uh, like Triple H defended the Intercontinental Title against Owen. Like, it was it was a really good show. Anyway, there's. Rock against Kane was on that show. And that was a big deal because Kane didn't wrestle every week back then. And when he did, mm-hmm. he was heavily protected. And Rock beat him that year, that, that thing. Uh, and I was like, uh, I was like, oh, my God. Like, geez. Like, that's amazing. Like, I, it was a huge deal because the only people who had beaten Kane at that point had been um, Austin and Undertaker. And Undertaker, yeah, you got Austin, you got... I mean, I think the Outlaws, like, won the title, but it was because Kane, like, wasn't there and, and smashed Mankind's yeah. face with a sledgehammer. So, um, so for all intents and purposes, purposes, he had lost to two guys. And then Rock beat him. You're like, oh, wow. But but that was like, you know, that then the mystique starts to go down a little bit. And then, you know, um, eventually he starts teaming with Xbox, which I actually liked. I enjoyed that team. I thought it was a good odd couple <laughs> team. I thought it worked well. But so then you're like, okay, we've lost the mystique a little bit, and then oh, oh, then he's like, then he's talking more. So I'm like, okay, you're losing that a little bit, and then then he gets a like, girlfriend. Then he get yeah, then he gets that. Then you start cutting the mask up, and you're like, oh, well, that's weird. But then you're like, oh, you know, he's still jacked to the nines. He's still huge. He's still got giant muscles and stuff. And then oh, oh, and then then he starts getting fat, and then he like then he oh, he loses his mask. And then, you know, like, they, like you're left, left with this shell of a man. If you look at Kane right now and you go back to look at the Kane presentation from 1997, 1998, you're like, oh, my God, what the hell? You know, it's, 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 um, it's crazy, really. <laughs> Time's undefeated, like Rocky yeah. said. It's true. Um, so, yeah, those, those characters need to be uh, handled carefully, and uh, Bray Wyatt is not. Um, we got to see uh, uh, Finn Balor's dick right in our face. Oh dear! <laughs> well, well, we're we we were right in the spot where he does his like you know lean against the ropes and show his abs and stuff and like uh-huh. my, my uh, Aaron my 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 fiance is just like she's like oh wow we got a lot of we got a lot of business in there uh, <laughs> was her phrase so that was fun. enjoy the show <clears throat> I know so um. And he like and Samoa Joe went over him clean, which is interesting. I guess they really are built getting Joe ready for Roman. 
Yeah, they had a match on Raw this week, so I imagine it's not going to be a Royal Rumble. Well, I don't know. Like, are they going to have any other matches at the Rumble besides the Women's Rumble, the the official Rumble, and the Lesnar title defense? Well, let's think. So, all right. So the male Rumble generally goes about an hour, maybe like 56 minutes or so. Am I right on that? Right. That's uh, about right. Give or take uh, a few. I'm assuming, are they going to have 30 women in the in the Women's Rumble? That was my understanding. Okay, if they do that, then let's say it's at we're at forty three because they're it'll go slightly shorter. Um, so you're essentially you're basically at two hours there. What's the Rumble show? It's it's a three hour show, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have your your triple threat match with the guys of that size. You're probably going to get like. 13, 15 minutes in ring, not including entrances. So, yeah, that's probably it, honestly. <laughs> you're probably, it's probably a three match show because, I mean, you'll have a pre show. You'll probably have like Enzo and, and uh, Cedric or Enzo and Gulak or something on the pre show. And um, <clears throat> I think that would be it because. You, I, I think with like pre, with like pre tapes and interviews and stuff, you're gonna you're gonna hit three hours right there. Yeah, that's so. And Roman's not gonna work the um. He's not gonna work a match because I think because he's gonna win the rumble. I think. Okay, is he gonna win the rumble or is John Cena gonna win the rumble? Because I was reading earlier today that their plan, the new plan for WrestleMania, is to do AJ versus Cena for the belt. With AJ, or with uh, Cena's seventeenth win on, you know, being the major selling point. Oh. Um, yeah. So is Cena going to win the Rumble to set that up, or is Roman going to win to set him up for Lesnar? Well, that is. Um, to be perfectly honest, I'm not super excited about either one. <laughs> yeah. These are our options. Yeah. Um, I have an idea. Why not just have Braun Strowman win the goddamn Rumble? That would be great, but, I mean... I mean, geez, I would love to see AJ versus Strowman. Let's see, yeah. AJ versus Strowman? I would I would do, I would do Braun and Lesnar with Braun finally going over him would be more interesting I, to me. I'm trying to meet them halfway here because it's like, all right, they're not going to bend on that match, but, all right, can you give us one that I would actually want to see? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, okay, you got two world titles. You can have your stupid fucking main event that nobody wants, but can you give us a match that I would want just to kind of throw me a bone? No? Yes? Maybe? <clears throat> yeah. So let me see what the odds are here. Cause I like New like... Japan, which just gives me a shit ton of matches I do want to see. So Yeah, <laughs> it is funny how that goes. Um... <laughs> they just create interesting matches. It's amazing. It's nuts. Um... All right, I'm pulling up the odds here. Okay. So, the favorite right now is Cena, like you said, followed by Reigns, followed by Nakamura, followed by somehow AJ Styles, followed by Seth and Braun Strowman. So, I will... um, So, I would say, yeah. So, I guess Cena sounds like a smart bet. But here's what you've got to remember. Cena and AJ would be a babyface match, and Vince is notorious for not liking those. Um, mm-hmm. his, Turn AJ heel. 
I'm <laughs> sure they do that. Um, his... I'm working within Vince's frame here. Where yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. No, no, no. I- I'm trying to put myself in Vince's shoes here and seeing how he's thinking about this. Because so he, he naturally does not like babyface matches. However, I'm sure the Cena-Rock matches softened him on that. So, because um, everyone loved those matches. Yeah, I was I was hoping like most people we'd see like Nakamura and AJ. Um, Unfortunately, I feel like they you know I don't know if it's his fault or their fault, but Nakamura's been kind of damaged. Yeah, well, he's been like beaten a lot, so <laughs> that part's their fault. But I question his motivation too. Oh, I, I agree. Nakamura is one of the most hot and cold wrestlers there is. Like, if he decides he doesn't want, he's not into something, he is super not into it. And it shows. Mm-hmm. Like, see his, like, almost entire NXT run. Um, I think, like, his match with Rude was, an, was like, an exemption. But uh, there Those was were a lot his of best matches. Yeah, that and his Finn Balor match was very good. Um but if he, um, yeah, if he's not into something, he's not into it. Um, uh, see, it, it's just like, to me, it's like, they put Roman over Cena so hard this fall. Like, whenever they yeah. work on house shows, Roman goes over. They had the No Mercy match because they're like, we don't know if we're going to have Cena. I I question so I was about to say that I question them having Cena even be involved in the title picture as a non-full-timer, but Brock, of course, is the champion. So so it's kind of silly there. And they, and they did it with Rock. The question is, do they think Cena is worth it enough to be the champ? Like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I feel like right now, okay, but... I think this is something that is going to change and flip back and forth. I think they're. Eric, I, I think Roman is going to in advance. Go ahead. Doesn't Vince plan everything out from WrestleMania to WrestleMania? I thought this was done a year in advance. It's always done a year in advance. I love when people say that all the time. It's my favorite thing I've ever heard. And then I'll point to I'll point to three quarters of the WrestleManias to prove why that's not the case. And the instances where it is booked a year in advance, it's with the uh, the guys who are part timers, so they're not there. So it's easy yeah. to do that. Well, they actually, I guess they, we we did get our wish. Actually, we did get WrestleMania booked a year in advance because it wasn't long after last year's WrestleMania that they said it's going to be Reigns and Brock, and sure enough, it's going to be Reigns and Brock. <laughs> so the match the world wanted. These are my, I, I love these, like, odds that they have here. Like, yeah. so you have, um, you have, this, like, okay, oh. here's a weird thing. Is it weird to, or, like, somehow, like, I don't know, unethical to do, like, betting odds on something that's scripted? Well, for the longest time, you couldn't um, because of that reason. But right. now, due to, like, lax internet betting rules you can because there's like all sorts of like prop bets like you can bet on like what color is Katy Perry going to be wearing at the Super Bowl halftime show so they can do stuff like that they max the bets a lot but um 
you know, there was that thing a few months ago where a guy did like a parlay bet and which for those of you not familiar with betting, um, it basically means all or nothing. So if you get all the things you can exponentially win, exponentially keep getting higher percentages based on how you, you bet. Um, he bet like $3 and he won like $42,000 because he got every match on the card right. So um, there's that, and I think they'll continue to limit that because, I mean, people know who's going to do this stuff. But my favorite stuff is these like these like crazy bets that they have. Like, like I love this. 20 to 1, Dean Ambrose. Like, who the <laughs> hell would take that? Um <laughs> Kenny Omega at 20. Here, so I'm going to look at, let's look at the weirdest ones that are like, theoretically. So to give you an example, like Barack Obama is a 10, is a thousand to one uh, bet. Um, so those are all crazy ones. And there's like, there's like Donald Trump is 750 to one. Floyd Mayweather, Vin Diesel, they're all crazy ones. Carlito's there. Um, there's a bunch of like 200 to one ones, which include Hogan, Nash, Billy Gunn, James Ellsworth, uh, blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to look at the ones that are slightly less crazy that are up here. Like, Kenny Omega, 25 to 1. Like, that's a funny one. <laughs> I mean, one of yeah. the slightly less crazy ones. Yeah. Um, in fact, according to this website, Kenny Omega has a better opportunity to win the Royal Rumble than Triple H, Big E, Sheamus, or Chris Jericho. Although, Chris Jericho should be a 10 million to 1 odd because he's not going to be able to work that event, I think, based on uh, his uh, his contract. Are there uh, any fictional characters on there? I'm like, how crazy is this allowed to go? Like, can no, I start, like, no, betting on There's Kylo no fictional Ren? characters. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, Cassius Ono, Killian Dane, and Luke Harper, and Apollo Crews all have the same odds as CM Punk to win the Royal Rumble. <laughs> Um, okay. So Ty Dillinger has Ty Dillinger, Tyler Bates, Rich Swan, Kane, Brian Kendrick, Hideo Tommy, Big Show, Tyler Breeze have the same odds to win the Royal Rumble as Batista, Shawn Michaels, and Daniel Bryan. Okay. At Eighty to one. So there you go. So Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan's chances of winning the Rumble are better now than they were back when he was wrestling. That is that is very funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is he going to wrestle again? Is that the? Um, I mean, I, I think he's going to wrestle, but is he going to wrestle in the WWE again? Um, they might be saying because I see what they're doing with him on SmackDown right now and being yeah. at odds with Shane or whatever. So I don't know if that's going to transfer over into him stepping back into the ring. Like well, I, I'm thinking, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm thinking like maybe him and Shane versus Owens and Zayn. But again, we'll just have to wait and see. Well, it, it's like you know, it's either they're going to let him wrestle or he's going. They're going to lose him. That's basically it. They can probably offer him all the money in the world if he feels he can get re- if he feels he can wrestle, and doctors are saying he can, then he's going to go wrestle. And which begs the question: Why, if if doctors say he's okay to wrestle, why wouldn't they let him? They're very gun shy with the lawsuit. There, for Christ's sake. Yeah, I know. 
Well, I think people forget forget about that. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh man, it's so funny. I forget that John Cena and Daniel Bryan are brother in laws. <laughs> Sometimes I think Daniel Bryan would like to forget that too. No, I feel like they get along okay, right? I've watched, uh, and again, I don't know if the shows are indicative of reality or anything, but yeah. I've, I've seen Total Bellas, and they just look so awkward together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> again, I don't know if that's how it is in real life, but it's it's funny to watch them together because they just don't look like they're, I don't know, comfortable in the same room with each other. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And Have Brian you... really doesn't look comfortable in Cena's house. Yeah, well, Cena's house is, like, fucking weird. A music video come to life. Essentially, yes. Um, do you... Have you seen the Kevin Owens 24-7? Um, I did. That was or, really Or 365. I did. And how was Are it? we good? No. I heard about that. Um, which yeah, I mean, it was really weird. And and I will agree with with um, I will agree with Vince on that. That match was not as great as it should have been, and it's very interesting. I often find myself agreeing with Vince on like matches, like mm-hmm. what Vince thinks is a good match and what I think is a good match is generally very similar, which is always like fucking scary. <laughs> what are some other examples? Um. I think people say, like, oh, this guy's a great worker. And and then they're like, why doesn't Vince like him? So, like, I'll give you an example. Um, Cesaro. I love Cesaro. I think he's great. I don't think Cesaro's ever had a match on the main roster that's been, like, the greatest match or, like, that match is amazing or blah, 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 blah. He's had he's had good matches. He's had like, and I I love Cesaro. I do, but like, there's never been that moment where he's had like, remember when Daniel Bryan had that series of matches with the Shield? Yeah. Well, that I think that made a believer out of me. I think it made a believer out of Vince, um, and I think that's what allowed him to get the world title. Um, I don't know if Cesaro's ever had that, and people will say like, oh my God, Cesaro, like they. They don't give this guy the chance, and they don't do this or that. And I agree, they should probably give more opportunities to guys, and they let certain guys uh, swing as many times as they want, and other guys don't get an opportunity at the plate. But, like, I think in a lot of cases, the guys just haven't impressed Vince enough, and they haven't really had a great match. I mean, as much as we love Dolph Ziggler, like, like there is an issue with Dolph after getting major pushes that he's unable to sustain those matches with, like, other great matches. And, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that would be... Well, in Cesaro's case, I thought, like, the best matches I've seen him have was probably the first two matches he had with Cena, and I thought maybe that was going to be the springboard for him, but then nothing ever came of it. Wait, what matches with Cena? Uh, they had matches on Raw a couple years ago. For, like, the U.S. title? Um, no, I think that these were before, uh, the U.S. title thing with Cena. They were just, like, random ass, no build-up, we're just going to throw them out there on Raw type of matches, and they were fantastic. Yeah, yeah. 
And I mean, and that's the other side of it. I don't think like I can't remember when Cesaro's gotten a straight up feud with a guy where he's been allowed to have that kind of match. I don't think he's ever had a single feud. I, I think the closest yeah. was was Sheamus, but that turned into a tag team. Yeah, no, I would agree. I don't think he's had a single feud. Mm. Which oh, it's like that thing I I mentioned this a uh, few months ago. I mean, Ziggler mentioned him. He's never had a one on one match at WrestleMania. Ziggler hasn't. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of guys haven't, probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting because it's like, you know, a lot of these guys aren't perfect, but then then Vince will pick guys that he, that aren't perfect either, and he'll give them a pass. Like Roman Reigns, like Roman's like, Roman's a good worker, he's not a great worker, he's a good worker, Um, he's super duper. If he were over, he'd be good enough. Yes. Um, now he does get now. Okay. So I'm going to sound like a nut job now, but the crowd at MSG was super duper dead before, <laughs> like for most of the matches, I would say, I mean, they pop for different things and stuff, but holy shit. When Cena and Roman came out, like, every person was up. Like, I feel like I'm fucking Triple H now. I feel like I'm, like, a company dude who's like, oh, well, when you see them at house shows, they're getting these great reactions. And he, and he was like, I mean, and Roman was totally booed at the house show. There's no, like, question about that. But people were reacting. Uh, I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm fucking denying the Holocaust. Like, I feel terrible right now because I'm, like, defending this shit. But... I mean, part of me wonders, okay, so part of me is the Eric Clancy you've all always known, who thinks that if you should, you should have a protagonist you like, um, and that should drive the story, and yada, yada, yada. The other part thinks, oh, I wonder if it's impossible in this day and age to create a likable protagonist, and, or to create a, to create a, um, create a bad guy that people actually boo. So in order to get people to boo them, you have to pretend they're the face. And like, <laughs> wink and, like I wonder if that's like the genius behind all this. And that it's like... That, <laughs> I, I mean, if, if they actually planned it that way, it, it'd be kind of brilliant. You're right. But... They're too stupid to do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, part of me is like, because, you know, like... It's like when you suggested, it's like, did they tank that Royal Rumble on purpose and give Batista the win knowing that it was going to create no, more sympathy for Brian? No, they didn't do that. <laughs> Ugh, they didn't. Yeah, no, that's the thing. You can't imagine. They're not that smart. Like, they're not. Mm-hmm. Like, anything you think of is more thought than they've ever put into it. Um, uh, yeah, no. It's like, and it's, it, and that Royal Rumble, that was so amazing to me because it's like, it's, I remember when I was like I was I was always arguing with people building up to that WrestleMania because I said to everyone I was like they're like oh Daniel Bryan keeps getting beat up and he gets, he, he loses and I was like and I stupidly was like well don't worry it's fine he's the good guy he's getting sympathy like he's gonna beat him in the end like yada 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 and of course then that was never the plan so like so I'm still right in the fact that like bad guy, good guys get beaten down. That's like, 
I, I understand this is a babyface territory and like no one watching it has ever experienced the heels go over legitimately. But um but the fact that they never had the end game of Daniel Bryan winning and it had to like basically be forced at them is like unbelievable. I'm like, holy shit. You're going for Batista and Orton. Like that was the match you thought was gonna be everybody's gonna be like, Oh, this is gonna be great. This guy we haven't seen in five years is here and he's gonna wrestle. <laughs> and he's gonna beat Randy Orton. He's gonna be the guy that goes against the company guy. He's all yeah, rebel. Company guy versus company guy. Hmm. Um Batista, by the way, who's going to be at AwesomeCon next year, so I might meet him. Yeah. I mean, Batista seems like an like a really cool guy, and he seems to have a good sense of what pro wrestling fans want because, I mean, from what I understand, he thought, like, it was a terrible idea for him to be the babyface. Um, oh, and I also – I gained a lot of respect for him when I heard that story on Jericho's podcast. Do you know what I'm talking about? Probably, but enlighten me anyway. Okay, it was right after WWE went PG, so it would have been 2008. And right after that decision was made, Batista and Jericho had a world title cage match on Raw. Yes, okay, I've, it, read, I've read Jericho's book, but for, for the listeners, keep going. Okay, and they were told, you're not allowed to get color. And in Batista's mind, it's like, look, it's a cage match. You've got to have color in a cage match, otherwise it doesn't... I mean, it really undercuts the gimmick if you don't have color, so... He went against the green, got color, uh, they did the match, and Vince was pissed off. And Vince was unhappy, he punished them, he fined everybody. Batista ended up paying everybody's fines. Uh, Malenko, who was the agent for that match, and the referee both got blamed for it as well. Um, and they got punished, and uh, like I said, Batista paid their fines. And I was kind of like, I heard this story, and I was like, you know what? Batista, not only did he pay everybody's fines, which you know, good on him. That was a really cool and classy thing to do. He also, like, stood his ground as far as, like, no, if the art form has to be maintained, and I believe that this is the right way to tell this story. And I was like, wow, Batista actually does give a shit. Oh, yeah, I think he, well, and and, uh, and actually, um, from reading Jericho's book, uh, Jericho, Malenko, and whoever the referee was, I don't remember. I want to say Kyoto, but I might be wrong. Yeah. I don't know, but they all got fined five thousand, and Batista got fined a hundred thousand. Jesus. And yeah, so, um, but yeah, no, he's been a, he's been an outspoken proponent against the PG stuff, and I've I've said it to this day. Like, I think there's a middle ground between Attitude Era and PG. Um, <laughs> like, you don't need to have like prostitutes and like like embarrassing shit but you also HLA. Need to have a, HLA. Yeah, yeah yeah you don't need to have that but maybe you do need to have a little violence because it's professional wrestling and it's predicated on that um and it's like it's like when they do like the passion of cena when they did that stupid breaking point match and they're like oh no he's hitting him with a kendo stick and you're like oh really you know, it's like and you, you can't they get tried into to pass it because, that off like it was the most violent thing they'd ever done I know, that was, and that, I was like that pay-per-view uh, was so not good. <laughs> that how was did, the one with uh, how did, how did Legacy right? beat DX on that show? I don't remember. I'm, I'm sure um, Sean took the, the, the finish, but I'm wondering what the finish was. I don't remember. I, I don't think I saw that show now that I think about it. I remember reading about it and talking about it on the show we were doing back then, but I don't think, yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't think I ever saw it. 
Yeah, it it was. Um, I remember that. That's when Punk made did the Montreal screw job to Undertaker, and then it was Punk, Teddy Long, and Vince McMahon, and they're like, "Oh, I wonder what the plan is for this," and they just never addressed it. Beyond Undertaker saying, "Where to, Teddy?" <laughs> um, I gotta bury that kid. I gotta bury him. I gotta bury that. Well, you know what? When uh, at WrestleMania 14, uh, Undertaker, he sat down right at the entrance of Gorilla, and he started taping his fists because, and provided that Shawn Michaels dropped the belt, that's all that needed to happen. And once the match was over, just walk back because Taker cares about the business. Boy, he certainly does care about the business. He certainly does care about not jobbing to anyone, narking CM Punk out to the office like a little fucking bitch. Undertaker is and has always been a little bitch. And also the idea that Taker, oh, Taker cares about the business. Oh, you mean he doesn't work with his friends like Brett did with the Hearts or Sean did with the Click? You mean how Undertaker worked with Yokozuna 10,000 times? Or how he somehow took pins to fucking Kama Mustafa? Or he worked with Savio Vega constantly? Oh, you mean Undertaker's working with his friends all the time? Like everyone? Ugh, I, I feel like every two weeks we do this and I go off on this fucking Undertaker rant because there's all these marks out there who are like, oh, oh, Undertaker's great. He's a legend. He's a legend. I've been watching since 2010. He's great. Oh. <laughs> like, hey, well, the real telltale sign for me was when I watched the CM Punk DVD. And you get to those parts with Punk and Undertaker from anything. 09. They glossed over that so much, and then JR's like, I think after those matches, CM Punk was a made man. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? It is, he was it ruined is, after that. It is one of the weirdest things, because nobody talks about it. Absolutely nobody talks about it. The only person that does, and he does it by not saying anything, is Punk. And Punk will do, like, first of all, he doesn't say anything on that DVD about that. Um, mm-hmm. Secondly, on the Art of, Art of Wrestling podcast, um, he talks about working with Taker at 29. He's like, I don't care. I'll do respect. And he like almost jokingly says, I'll do respect. He says it like a few times. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I know what he's thinking. He's like, this guy sucks. He held me down. He, um, he made trouble where there was no trouble. And that was that. And, and he got a world title win out of it because the dude's a bigger mark for himself than anyone else. Um, and I love Undertaker, and I think Undertaker's an incredible talent, and I think he's one of the all-time, I think at his peak, he's one of the all-time great workers in the business, but you can't deny the shit that the guy does that nobody fucking talks about, and that time period in particular, where for some reason every old guy in WWE decided it would be great to just shit on every young member of the company, is just so glossed over, and, you know, it's so funny. You're so right. Cause on that DVD, when they're like, when, um, Michael Hayes is like, I know, I know CM Punk earned Undertaker's respect in that feud. And yeah, JR says that line, CM Punk says nothing on that feud uh, on that. on Yeah. In that video, he says nothing about the feud. Undertaker's not on there. Um, nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about how the feud ended. And it's, it's great because I mean, to my knowledge, I, I believe Meltzer reported that, if if I'm correct, Patrick. Probably, yeah. 
And, like, the only thing I've ever heard about it was Jim Ross saying, oh, please, everybody, really, or something. And it's like, yeah, really. Like, why is that, like, like I think Keller said a similar thing. I was like, Dis- disprove this. Like, Punk has never said, no, that didn't happen. Nobody, like, it's just like, oh, that's just more gossip. But the thing that I've learned about about the WWE and how much they talk about dirt sheets and, and I'll say this, like, Dave Meltzer, as far as, like, creatively, is, like, bankrupt as shit. As far as reporting what generally happens, he's pretty good on that, and he's great as far as business and numbers go. So he says, oh, you know, like, for those of you who aren't aware of this, and we talk about it a lot, I think, uh, CM Punk was the champion. He was lighting it, regardless of what anyone will tell you, the Straight Edge Society is not CM Punk's best work prior punk punk pipe bomb it was his it was his heel turn and feud with jeff hardy that precipitated that the straight edge society ideally should have actually happened while he was still the champion and he could have built up and built up and then lost to somebody at mania they could have made some fucking money instead of shitting around like they always do john morrison and punk we talked about it like the months leading up to it yeah um so yeah so he's um so he's on like some european tour or something and um, he's dressing like CM Punk dresses, and Undertaker says, you're the champion. You should dress more like a champion, which, to my knowledge, I don't think I've ever seen Undertaker in a suit. So <laughs> there's that. And Punk said, he's like, you mean like John Cena? And the report, the the way that um, Meltzer reported it, he's like, this got back to the office, which, by the way, I wonder how it got back to the office since he said it to one person. But um, they, they said, oh, that he takes it to mean that he's bigger than John Cena, which to me the point is, well, how come he doesn't have to do it? Um, and then, of course, Punk was punished by being put in the opening match of that Hell in a Cell pay-per-view and losing to Undertaker in, like, eight minutes. So that was that. And, like, it's it's just a classic example of, like, Undertaker doing some shit and then, hey, guess what? He, he he did what was right for business, so. Got to humble that kid. Yeah, got to have some respect. Yeah, yeah and it's weird. It's like this, it's this weird thing where it's, it's, Undertaker's a legend, and I'm not saying he's not, but, okay, you might think the legend of Undertaker's pure, but the person is not, and, you know, I watched Creed the other night, I watched The Last Jedi a couple weeks ago, and that's kind of one of the lessons I got from those those movies and it's kind of like look undertaker probably did some shady shit it doesn't mean you don't stop being a fan of his it's just you know there's some shit that went on there that wasn't cool and that's just yeah. how it is yeah yep all right what do we get what else do we got um i don't know anything big coming up? i mean we've talked about wrestle kingdom to no end but yeah see wrestle kingdom watch it it's gonna be great yeah I think honestly we're just gonna have to wait till till next week to talk about it. Um, it's a week from today, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Jericho and Omega—that's been made a no DQ match, I believe. Yes, Jericho, from what I understand, is pushing it that it's going to be a fight. So. Well, I mean, if you saw that press conference they had, it's. Like, <laughs> I mean, they yeah. kind of have to go that route with it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. Um, check us. Check in next week. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Wrestle Kingdom. We'll have more Royal Rumble stuff. Um, yeah. So, 
I think that's it. But for Eric Clancy and Mr. Patrick Kelly, we are signing off.